What's up, everyone? I'm Joe Pompliano, and this is The Joe Pomp Show. Wimbledon is one of the most exclusive sporting events in the world, but similar to the Masters at Augusta National Golf Club, tournament organizers appear to be leaving tens of millions of dollars on the table to protect that prestige. So today's episode breaks down the $350 million business behind Wimbledon. I hope you enjoyed this episode, but before we get into it, let's quickly run through today's sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Whoop. I've been wearing a Whoop for several years now and it has made a massive difference in my life. It's the only tech product that I wear 24-7, so it's pretty cool to see people like Patrick Mahomes, Rory McIlroy, Michael Phelps, and Justin Bieber wearing one also. Whoop automatically measures your respiratory rate, oxygen level, resting heart rate, heart rate variability, calories, and activity levels throughout the day. Sure, it might sound complex, but Whoop interprets the data for you so it's easy to digest and actionable. And now, their 4.0 is officially back in stock and shipping in real time. But here's the best part. Whoop is offering my listeners 15% off their Whoop 4.0 right now with the code Joe at checkout. So go to Whoop, W-H-O-O-P.com and enter Joe at checkout to save 15%. Sleep better, recover faster, train smarter, and now feel healthier with Whoop. Next up is 8sleep. 8sleep has dramatically improved my daily performance. For me, I was never able to get a good sleep because I was always too hot. But now, I'm falling asleep in record time, faster than I had before, all thanks to my 8sleep Pod Pro cover. The Pod Pro cover by 8sleep is the most advanced solution on the market for thermoregulation. You can add the cover to any mattress. The temperature regulation will create the optimal sleeping environment by adjusting to each side of the bed based on personalized sleep stages, biometrics, and bedroom temperature. The results are proven to be true. Clinical data shows that 8sleep users experience up to 19% increase in recovery, a 32% improvement in sleep quality, and 34% more deep sleep. But it's not just me who sleeps on an 8sleep. The product is so good that it's garnered the attention of CEOs, Olympians, UFC champions, and even the Mercedes Formula One racing team. So go to 8sleep.com slash Joe, that's J-O-E, to redeem an exclusive 4th of July savings and start sleeping cool this summer. 8sleep currently ships within the USA, Canada, the UK, select countries in the EU, and Australia. Joe Pompliano runs Pomp Investments. All views of Joe Pompliano and his guests are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Pomp Investments. You should not treat any opinion by Joe or his guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his personal opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. All right, let's get into this episode. Wimbledon Economics, the business behind Wimbledon. Wimbledon's the one with the grass? Yeah. Yeah, you like how I knew that? that that's that's your, uh, your your analysis of Wimbledon? Listen, there's clay courts, there's regular courts, and there's grass court. They only play on three. Grass court, the most famous one is Wimbledon. Good. Process of elimination. Now you know. Facts. You're, uh, you're shook right now that I knew that it was on grass I'm because you sh- thought I didn't know anything about tennis. I'm not shook at all about that now. All right. I watched King Richard. I know all about tennis. Okay. That was a good movie. I like that movie. That, that was a fantastic movie. movie. Was it a tennis movie or was it a family movie? Both. All right. What's big, up with the economics? Big King Richard guy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, the business behind Wimbledon's huge. It's, it's only uh, 350 million? So, well, so I mean, no, we're going to no, get no, into no. it. We're going to get into it. The reason why you're saying that, yeah, so the title was $350 million business. And similar to other events, what they do is they sacrifice some money, obviously, mm-hmm. in order to keep the tradition, keep the prestige, keep the look of the tournament. Okay. So they do this in a variety of ways. The total dollar amount that they bring in, they give it out each year. So they, they publicly report this. It's held at a place called the All England Lawn Tennis and Croquet Club, A-E-L-T-C, basically. They, they, they summarize it. It's been held there since 1877, or the first tournament Wimbledon took place in 1877. 
and it's the longest, it's the oldest tennis tournament in the world. Okay. So it's been held there for a long, long, long time. And the organization, the home of the tournament, reports their annual revenue. So their annual revenue last year was $360 million, and then they reported a profit of $54 million, so about 15% margins on their profit. And based on percentages, the percentage of revenue that came from different categories that Forbes reported years ago, right? So they don't actually break it down and say, hey, here's how much we actually earned from broadcast rides. Here's how much we earned from tickets, et cetera. But Forbes got this info four or five years ago. And based on those percentages, the $360 million would be broken out into a few different categories. About 55 or 56%, call it 200 million, would come from broadcasting rights. About 16%, 58 million, would be ticket sales. Okay. The third largest would be sponsorships, similar amount, about 58 million or 16%. And then the fourth largest category would be concessions and merchandise. So global broadcasting rights, ticket sales, sponsorships, merchandise in a descending order from highest value to least. I'm shocked that global broadcast rights are more than all others combined. Like, wow. I, like I would think that broadcast rights were big, but like that is a huge gap. So, so, so we'll get to it because two of the other three categories, right? So if you've removed broadcast rights and you look at the other three that you're adding up to compare, mm -hmm. two of the three, they actually don't monetize to the full potential, right? Okay. So, so broadcast rights is one of the things that they do monetize. They make most of their money from global broadcasting rights and they have agreements obviously internationally, but also here in the United States. ESPN pays Wimbledon $42 million a year just for the U.S. rights. And then they, okay. have, they have international rights too which is actually less than they pay for the U.S. Open Tennis Tournament, which is $75 million. Now, they've now agreed to a new deal, a 12-year extension that will start, I believe, in two years, and that number is not disclosed to how much they paid. So maybe it increased in a couple of years, but right now that's how much they pay, and it's actually less than the U.S. Open. The reason for that is that there's more domestic interest in, in the tournament here in the United States, mm -hmm. obviously. But internationally, they make a lot of money. So call it the total amount is $202 million. But when you compare that to the other categories, so we'll look at ticket sales first, about 500,000 people attended Wimbledon on the last tournament in 2019 before COVID, right? Over really? 13 days. So it's 13 days, yeah. 500,000 people. So that those people brought in about $50 million in revenue, right? Mm -hmm. Called plus or minus $50 million in ticket revenue. But the problem is that Wimbledon hasn't changed around necessarily its structure and the stadiums and all these things to increase attendance, right? So if you look at just their venue compared to others, center court at Wimbledon can hold about 15,000 spectators. Arthur Ashe Stadium, which is where the U.S. Open is held in New York, can hold almost 24,000 spectators. So a large chunk more. And then when you look at that overall multiple day event, right, a two-week event, the U.S. Open will bring in about 631,000 visitors. The Australian Open, another big tournament, will bring in 812,000 viewers. And both of those are obviously much more than the 500,000 that Wimbledon brings in. So these are people who go in person when you say viewers, right? They're actually there. Yeah, right yeah. there. Well, Attendees. Okay. And when they do this, Wimbledon, in order to increase the number of spectators, they would just have to like rebuild the stadium and just make it bigger. Or what would they do? They extend the, from two weeks to three weeks or like, what, what would they do to do it? Well, well, I mean, yeah, you could certainly do it a bunch of different ways. Any way you want to cut up the inventory, right? You could build a bigger stadium. You could give half day passes, you could get full day, right? You could do a bunch of different things, but right now they, I mean, yeah, the stadium is not nearly as big as the other ones. Why only 15,000? That, that feels like 15,000 people would be like, I don't know. There's high schools that we played basketball in. Uh, yeah, it's not, it's not that big of a stadium. That hold 15,000 people. Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not that big of a stadium. I think part of this, right, is like you want it to be a smaller setting. You don't want it to feel as commercialized. So it all feeds back to kind of they want to— A uh, premium product? Yeah, they, they, they want to reserve some of that prestige. Is right? that why they have grass? 
The grass is nice, right? Yeah, yeah, but like, I is mean, that, that no? It, that's how the tournament's played. That's yeah. one of the surfaces, and that's what they're known for, right? They've been doing yeah. it forever. Well, that, that's what I'm saying. Is because a premium product, you get the grass. You get the yeah. grass. Okay. Well, we'll we'll get to that too. But right. so the other thing with tickets is that they actually don't sell them for as much as you might think. Right on the primary market, you can actually get in a one day pass. I think it's on like the final day for just kind of around the stadium, not actually a ticket or a seat. Is ten dollars, right? And then to sit on center court is about three hundred dollars, the max price, right? And then on secondary Dude. market, they go crazy. And, and I gotta and, imagine people would pay thousands. Yeah, well, they do on the secondary market, yeah. Yeah, but they just don't want to sell them? Well, I mean, it's the same thing like the Masters, right? The way I think about Wimbledon is very similar to Augusta Country Club, yeah. Augusta Golf Club and the Masters. And the reason for that is because the same thing, right? They want to reserve some of that prestige and, and create that premium product. So tickets are one thing. Masters does the same thing, right? They literally have a raffle yeah. for the tickets, and then you pay face value. The other thing is sponsorships. So Wimbledon only has 14 sponsors, which relative to other sporting events is, is pretty small. So, some race drivers have 14 on their shirt. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so pretty small for the sponsors. And the interesting part about them is that they don't pay nearly probably as much as they could. So if you look at this picture here, for instance, on the back wall, you'll see a logo, which is in black, right? And if you didn't look for it, you would never see it. And the reason why they do that is because all of the outside courts, all of the courts except for two of them, the logos, sponsor logos are all in black. The center court and court number one, right outside of that, you get white logos. But if you're not sitting basically in the front row or the first or second row, you can't really even see it. Like that black logo, you would never even notice, right? Bro, and I still can't see it. Exactly. <laughs> and the part of this, right, is they want to keep that clean look of the grass and perfectly manicured lawn and all this kind of stuff, right? So they make the sponsors basically hide and you have to blend in. And if it, you're a sponsor, you don't fresh. want that. <laughs> it does look fresh though, that grass. Oh, it does, yeah. It looks amazing, right? And that's the whole point, right? Like if you're a sponsor, you want to be noticed, but at the same time, Wimbledon isn't willing to give it up. So part of that is, is like give and take. So they could certainly accept some more money for that. And then the third category that we spoke about, or the fourth, I guess, is concessions and merchandise. So unlike the Masters, which only sells merchandise in person, Wimbledon does sell it online. So they make good money doing that. You can buy basically shorts, t-shirts, sweatshirts, jackets, ranging from $50 to $250 per item. So, so they make good money on that. And then uh, you see this picture on the screen right here? That's strawberries and cream. That's what they're known for. Did you know that? No, I did not know that. It looks amazing, right? Yeah. <laughs> that, they, that's their like big thing. That's like By the way, thing, people yeah. are telling us it's not Wimbledon. Wimbledon. It's Wimbledon. Yeah, Wimbledon. Dun. Yeah, whatever. We can't speak. Whatever. It's fine. Wimbledon. All right. So this is strawberries and cream. Yeah. So that's their thing. They sell 190,000 servings of it no, each year. No, come on. Yeah. But that's almost half the people who show up buy it. But well, I'd be buying two or three. <laughs> <laughs> Only three dollars per serving. See, this is the whole thing. You know, the inflation saying, 40 year high. They don't care. <laughs> do, do you know the saying that when you got money, you don't need money? Yeah. You, you ever heard that? Like rich people, everybody gives them stuff for free. Yeah. That's basically what is going on here. Oh, you're, you're rich. You came to Wimbledon. Three dollar strawberries and cream. Wimbledon. Wimbledon. Whatever. <laughs> if instead you go to a, like a, a regular basketball game. They're like $20 bottle of water, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Like there is this element of once you got money, you don't need it. That yeah. like plays out in these kind of luxury sporting events where you're just like, man, $3 and they still made, you know, 350 million bucks. Pretty incredible. Yeah. The way I think about Wimbledon is that it's, it's in between basically what I mentioned earlier with the masters at Augusta national golf club. And like a premium sporting event, right? And and one that would try to monetize it, call it the US Open or the Super Bowl or something like that, right? They're they're kind of in between because they don't go full out. Like Augusta doesn't really care at all about making the money. They basically just want to put on the event, make some money to maintain the club and, and do other things. 
but the food is really cheap. They don't sell merchandise online. They raffle off the tickets. They don't have the sponsors like that, right? So they're really not trying to monetize it nearly as much as they could. They still make good money off the TV rights and stuff. But at the end of the day, they, they, they don't nearly monetize as much as possible. The Super Bowl, the U.S. Open, all these other events, they're maximizing it. Wimbledon's kind of in between where they're willing to do some things, right? The TV rights obviously get them a lot of money. They sell the merchandise online. They do some other things. But ultimately, they don't want to change the look and feel of the tournament which comes to the grass, the sponsors, the prices of the concessions, the ticket prices, stuff like that. So I look at them kind of in between, but it makes a lot of sense, right? If you start to commercialize it too much and there's logos everywhere on the court, ticket prices are, are unattainable for most people, you're, you're really sacrificing the look and feel of the tournament, then it probably doesn't end up being nearly as successful as it has over the past 100 years because of some of those things. So when they talk about their partners, what they're actually doing is they're, they're preserving some of that kind of look and feel and they're optimizing for long-term partners. One of the, a couple of their partners have been with them for 80 plus years, right? Or a hundred years, even in case of, of the tennis ball company they work with. So when you look down the road, I think it makes a lot of sense that they're doing things that are long-term focused necessarily versus short-term focused for a couple dollars in the door immediately. When you think about this tournament itself, is there an argument that if they made more money, then they could take that capital, reinvest it. So it wouldn't necessarily be profit, but top-line revenue increased. And they could make it an even crazier experience, like an even like more sought after sporting event. I mean, you could, right? But I think it's the same problem with Augusta. When you got money, you don't need money, right? And yeah. uh, if you have enough money from from not only people that go to the club every day today, but but sponsors and all these other things, like you you run into the problem where what else are you going to do, right? Like look at the venue; it's it's pretty built out already. Maybe they make things better here and there, but it's already a premium experience. There's only so many things that you can do on top of that. And you're, you're threading this fine line between being like updated and having a cool venue and all these other things versus losing some of that history, right? So yeah. you don't want to lose that kind of feel of that people are going to a historic venue that has been there for over 100 years that people have played at versus having the newest, nicest things. Is tennis or golf bigger internationally, like money-wise? Tennis. Tennises. Well, so you got to think about it too. A lot of these athletes, like if you look at Roger Federer, he may, yeah. you know, make $75 million a year, give or take on, on a given year. The, so the top tennis players make more than the top golf players uh, Well, before live. Well, yeah, I mean, it depends. <laughs> and, and Tiger's up there too, right? Like yeah. he's, he's kind of an, Roger is an outlier given his business and, and other things, but Naomi Osaka made 50 million plus last year. And most of the top players are making significant, like Roger Federer. I mean, he's again, an outlier, but he made like less than a million dollars in tennis last year. He didn't play. He was hurt but he made $75 million in total, right? So th it. their brand becomes much bigger than the actual winnings that they have through the tournament. Mm -hmm. Similar to golf in a degree where their endorsements are bigger and, and, and their outside business ventures are bigger. But yeah, t I mean, tennis is, is massive internationally. Yeah. It, it is even here too, right? Like the U.S. Open's a big event every year. There's numerous other tournaments, but but Wimbledon is, is the cream of the crop when it comes to tournaments. Yeah. It's pretty incredible when you kind of think of over a two-week period, they pull all this money in and then they basically don't do it again. Well, and the thing too is, right, to, to end it, like, it could be making 50, 100, 150 million dollars more than they probably do if they just max it like very easily, right? If they just said, hey, we want to get more sponsors, we want to sell tickets for higher prices, we want to commercialize the TV rights more and all that. They do it right now. What do you mean? Like, like this time of year? Yeah, it's it's going on right now. It so just started. You want to know what I always wondered why sports arenas or, or venues like this didn't do, but go like a bag on? Bro, just give people like the little fans because it's hot outside. Just sell the little fans five bucks. I'm you sure would sell $5 fans to 500,000 people easy. 
I'm sure that there is a guy or a girl outside the stadium willing to sell you a fan for $5. But my point <laughs> is that they sold it, right? Of like course, if you yeah. don't grab it on your way in, you're walking around. It's always hot. F1 here in Miami, hot. Like there's something about, I think that people say, like, oh, it's part of the experience, right? It is the weather or whatever. They'll sell you an umbrella if it starts raining. Yeah. But I never understood why they don't sell things to deal with the heat. Like maybe they sell you some water, but like get the little fans, the auto fans. Just have everyone just stand in there. I, I, Sophia's uh, got one. <laughs> yeah. Well, her dad bought her one, I guess. Uh, her dad was like, just drink some water. He'd be all right. Somebody else bought her one. Okay. Her mom. <laughs> <laughs> her mom's smarter than her dad. Yeah, well, that's true. All right. So when you look at this, you think they can make another $100, $150 million, but they don't because they're basically trying to rely on, we've been around. Yeah. Well, they, they want to preserve the look and feel of the tournament. Yeah. It's the easiest way to put it. I've been learning from you. Okay. Yeah, I, I know that you think it's weird that I'm saying something nice, but I have. I, I've been reading them. I don't think it's weird. I appreciate it. See y'all later. All right, later. All right, everyone. That's it for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always, I appreciate you listening to The Joe Pomp Show. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on Apple or Spotify so that you don't miss any episodes going forward. And if you are looking for additional content, check out my daily newsletter at readhuddleup.com or follow me on Twitter at Joe Pompliano. I hope you have a great day and I'll see you next time.